Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now baseball together welcome to this week's episode of the baseball together podcast baseball family i am brad and as per usual just about every week we've got brig oh, over oh, here to <laughs> hey stuff happens it's fine it's not a big deal if it was i wouldn't give you a week off but that's why i do yeah, so right. anyway oh, brig's yeah. here with me Brig is here. <laughs> hey 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 <laughs> well this he week we're skipping again <laughs> <laughs> So this week we're uh, we're skipping current events. Uh, you can see that those of you watching on YouTube, I have my Orm Owls hat on because because we were joined by the commissioner and the president of the Pioneer League in Jim McCurdy and Mike Shapiro, respectively. So we're going to share that interview with you this week and sit back and enjoy and listen to us minimally. Welcome back, baseball family. We are thrilled to have you back with us. We have a couple of guests on the show tonight. We've got Mike Shapiro and Jim McCurdy of the Pioneer League, and we're hoping to discuss with them all the ins and outs, as as much as we can anyway, in the time that we have, about what it takes to run a baseball league, how how the teams are decided upon, and all the, we got a lot of questions. But as you know, we have to get them. They got to get caught in a rundown, so we're going to hit them with some questions right now. Uh, Mike, the first question is yours. What is your quest? Well, at the age of 70, my, my quest is to, uh, uh, A, see some grandchildren someday. Who knows? Um, my second quest is uh, to see um, the Pioneer League become reaffiliated uh, with Major League Baseball in some form or another. And I would say my third quest is to uh, shoot my age. I uh, I shot a, a a 78 the other day, and um, uh, I'm 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 aiming for that. That's a big big deal to me. Yeah, that's what I shoot on a awesome. three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. The next one's for you. What is your favorite color? Boy, um, you know it's changed over the years. I think maybe uh, a blue, maybe something. This shade, don't you think? What do you think? Is that mm. that's good? That's good. Yeah. This is this is reality TV type. That's right. <laughs> uh, Mike, if you were to describe Nomar Garcia Para in one word, what's the word you would use? I love the explanation um, to his first name. And many people do not know that Nomar was named Nomar because he didn't want to be called. Ramon. Nomar is Ramon spelled backwards. I, I did know not that. know that. You come to the ballpark <laughs> oh, every day. Wow. Ooh. I had no idea. That's amazing. You asked huh. the right question. I mean, we could walk <laughs> off with that, but we won't. Jim, next <laughs> question for you. What is the maximum allowable age to bring a ball glove to a game? 
Well, you'll have to ask someone older than I. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm answering that question. I'm not older than you are. I mean, oh, no. yeah. Maybe slightly younger, slightly younger, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? There's what do you no think, Mike? Mike? What do you, you have an answer for that question? I don't see no, no, it. there is no there is no maximum age. No maximum age. Yeah. No. This is a hotly debated topic in our age nope. group. No, bring hey, you, you bring a glove, you get a ball. Yeah. I mean, you can go. you imagine some 80-year-old dude coming without a glove and a line drive is coming at him? Sorry, you got to have the glove. You got to fly. should require every person uh, to bring a glove to the ballpark. Probably, I agree. Yeah, you got to flash the leather. Yeah. Well, and we, that's that sets up one of the conversation topics that we have primed for later. So we'll we'll table that for a moment. But um, okay, Jim, since you avoided that question, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with this one. How would baseball be different if the Brooklyn Dodgers had not moved to California? Uh, perhaps the uh, Salt Lake Club would still be in the Pioneer Baseball League. Ooh, interesting. You know, that reminds me of something that I heard when I went to a mediation conference at Harvard, if we can go in this direction. Go ahead. Gorbachev mm -hmm. had been there uh, the month before and had been asked a question, and one asked him, how do you think the world would be different if Nikita Khrushchev had been assassinated instead of John F. Kennedy. And what do you think Gorbachev's answer would have been? I have no idea. That's a terrific question. He said, I don't think Ari would have married Ms. Khrushchev. <laughs> hey, I, I will I will answer Jim's question yet again. Um, <laughs> so there's an interesting theory out about that. Um, if if the Dodgers uh, were able to get the city of New York to put up the money to keep Ebbets Field or to, yeah. or to build them a new ballpark um, and, uh, and, the, and, and the Giants as well, they would not have moved west. The Mets would not exist. However, the next team that was likely to move west because of stadium issues and market problems were the St. Louis Browns, mm -hmm. who became the Baltimore Orioles. But they would have gone – West. And mm. who would the second team have been? The New York Yankees. No. No? Hmm. Philadelphia? Huh? Philadelphia A's? The Philadelphia A's. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, another thing, though, Branch Rickey had his eyes on the Continental League and was going to bring in San Francisco and L.A. and so forth. And part of this mm. move was to cut the heart out of the Continental League idea by taking mm. the large market. So maybe wow. you'd have had a competitor league that would have become a third. Very interesting. And, yeah, you know, that's a question that we've had on our list for a long time that we always ask people just to throw them off their off balance. That's the first time we've ever had an actual answer. And that's <laughs> tremendous. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You haven't had Pharaoh on your show before. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You never coming oh, back either, Jim. Have you, have you talked <laughs> no, to no, no. or anybody, Mike, about uh, – What's that? Have you talked to ESPN or anybody about it? I mean, I think Jim Bowden and others are, you know. I'll talk to anybody. I think you need to show. <laughs> we'll call them. 
we'll we can syndicate it right here, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. We'll do it together. Next question. Next question for anybody who wants it. This is a free for all. Um, Besides original, what is the best sunflower seed flavor? Uh, Well, I'm a ranch guy. Um, I don't know about you, Jim. I don't see you spitting a lot of seeds these days. But I'm an I'm a natural guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a ranch guy. I can go ranch. I like natural, but I can go ranch. You know, I used to not think I could go ranch, but apparently we did a blind taste test with seeds, and apparently I love ranch sunflower seeds. I'm just telling you, I played up until the point they had ranch, and then my kid when when I stopped playing ball. And my kids started playing ball and they're spitting seeds. Um, I'm going, no, 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 no. You're violating a prime rule of baseball. You can't go outside of original. And they said, you know, look, Dad, you need to adjust with the times um, with respect to a lot of things. But but notwithstanding, uh, they, they threw some ranch at me. And I have to say, I'm good. I'm good with ranch. Wow. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for a baseball purist, I'm good with ranch. Do you have a seed think, company that would like to, you know, be a league-wide sponsor or something in the Pioneer Baseball League? <laughs> we would love to do that. My favorite sunflower seed producer is Biggs. They do, I think, the best job in business. That's what I think. Yeah. Brad I'm disagrees. David. Well, yeah. okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I was thinking Spitz. Spitz, to me, is the worst. I do like Biggs, but Spitz David, to me, is I'm like a David guy. Yeah. 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 So the next question, I, I'm going to give both of you the, an opportunity to answer this as well. If baseball were an ice cream flavor, what would it be? Um, I would go um, Oreo cookie and cream because that includes the, the, the diversity of baseball. It's, it, it's just the sweetest game there is, and um, I just can't get enough of it. How was that for an answer? That was a pretty patented answer. I that was passionate. Yeah, I, like it. I, I like that answer, Good. but you know, I don't know. I um, Cherry Garcia. <laughs> Cherry Garcia. <laughs> you, like you guys know Ben and Jerry's from Vermont, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we ought to be getting Cherry some ads on the show. We're spending a lot of products. Uh, <laughs> we are. We are. I know it. Yeah, you'd think we had <laughs> we'd get more with the way we do these things. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, I've got another one for both of you. If the Pioneer League were a beverage, what would it be? Hmm. Well, I I would uh, start off um, because Jim needs to take some time to think through these things, but (laughs) I'll I'll jump in and say um, RC Cola. It's a classic. Mm -hmm. It's it's steeped in history. Uh, but it's it's not given its due uh, for how uh, wonderful it is and how uh, refreshing it is and how different it is. And um, you know what? It's it's an old classic, but it, it never lets you down. Top that one, Jim. The old classic <laughs> I remember, uh, maybe it was just a southern drink, was in a smaller bottle and it was called Grape Et. You can Google it. Okay. Great bet. Great bet. Great bet. I remember it from a kid, as a kid. Uh, RC Cola was awfully sweet compared to Coca-Cola. So there's Dr. Pepper, which is a Southern drink as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
the Pioneer League's not in the South, thank goodness. No, but RC um, Cola's not there. <laughs> no, but RC Cola, it's a little different than everything else. It is. Do we serve RC Cola at the ballpark? Nobody serves RC Cola. <laughs> <laughs> Can you still get it? I, I haven't seen it. Can you still get RC Cola? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, frankly, I didn't like it as a kid either. But <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a lot of things I didn't like as a kid that I like now. Right, but now, yeah. yeah. And Mike, who was your favorite band uh, during your uh, upbringing? A few years behind me, was it Big Brother and the Holding Company, or my favorite band yeah, of all time? At least, so now Jim's asking the questions. My favorite <laughs> band of all time was the Almond Brothers. Ooh, nice Southern, Southern rock. They like uh, RC Cola. Yeah, love the Almond Brothers. Can tell it with their music, they... <laughs> Jim. Excellent. Same question to you. What's your favorite band of all time? You know, there's a singer. In fact, he last time I talked with him, he was living in Jackson Hole, just over the mountain from Idaho Falls, where our club is. A lot of people come from uh, Jackson over to see the games. And his name was Tom Rush. Oh, my and God. I love Tom him. Rush. He was up in uh, your country, Mike. Oh, I used to. Well, when, when I was in college at Georgetown, I worked in a nightclub called The Cellar Door, a classic place that uh, when you want to look at some hit music history, check out the cellar door. And Tom Rush was a regular there. And um, he did um, Jackson Brown's child song better than Jackson Brown. Wow. And oh, Tom Rush was one of my favorites. Well, he, did the, these days, he did these days as well. Probably better. But can you believe Jackson Brown was a teenager when he wrote that song? Don't yeah, I mean, me with my failures. I have not forgotten. I have not forgotten them. to say that sort of stuff. I wrote a book and that was, uh, you know, you, 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 sometimes you put the quotes um, in front of the, the, you know, the prologue. And uh, I use that line, you know, uh, don't, don't uh, remind, don't, uh, what was it? Don't remind me of my don't failures. I have me. not, with, with don't my confront face. me with my failures. I have not forgotten them. What a great line. These guys That's are young line. for this, I think. Is that right? Well, well, man, I can't believe no. you like Tom Rush. You're, you're the, yeah, you're no, the I met him, met him in Austin, met him in Spokane. I said, Don, when are you living now? He said, I'm in Jackson Hole. I said, how did you get to Jackson Hole? He said, I just woke up there one morning. <laughs> well, he hung out. No, I can tell you probably a lot of the connection was with through a lot of people uh, wound up in Jackson Hole in that area. All of them were kind of of that that genre of Colorado singers that all ultimately, you know, all came like Pure Prairie League and um, – uh, ultimately the Eagles, but they all were following John Denver, who was yeah. a big Aspen guy. Cool. Uh, anyway. yeah. And uh, John Denver, there is a group from Spokane, where I live, by the way, uh, that uh, grew up. They were in they were Gonzaga Glee Club people <laughs> called the Chad Mitchell Trio. Oh, yeah, they were awesome. That was and, that uh, was John Denver. Yeah, and Chad Mitchell decided to go solo in a Sonata type thing and do cabaret clubs in New York. And so they brought in a guy whose name wasn't John Denver at the time, but it was John Denver to replace him. Mm. They also had a person named uh, Jim again, again, that was with them. He played the guitar because the, the trio did not play and, instruments. And, and he wasn't came, he joined the birds and changed his name to Roger. Roger and uh, was, Hall of Famers, none of them the original. Wasn't Jim, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know we're a far afield here. But wasn't Harry Chapin part of the Chad Mitchell trio at one point? 
You know, I have not heard that, but I will talk with it because we know it lives here in town, as does Mike Koblick, who was one of the original Chad Mitchell trio. And I'll ask him about that. Uh, and Gary Chapin was one of the greats. Oh, yes. And we, we have, though, in Montana, a great history. If you want to go in this direction, uh, goodness gracious. We haven't uh, talked about baseball yet. But. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> we talk about ice cream and sunflowers. So ice cream and music, man. The margarita, the margarita guy. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett was in Montana along with, uh, uh, um, goodness gracious, uh, a writer that wrote uh, Trout Fishing in America, uh, Richard Brodigan. Brodigan, yeah. In the group. And they yeah. all hung out together. And Tom McGuane, who is a writer, married Jimmy Buffett's sister. And they were all right down the road in Montana. So, All right. You want to talk baseball? Yeah, let's take a quick break. <laughs> when we get back, we'll talk some baseball. Let's do that. Yeah. No matter which ballpark you're at, you want to rep your team. Now you can with 9 Plus Us. Welcome to the Big City Series. With every design available in your team's colors, you can fit in with the home crowd or stand out on the road. Either way, we have the colors you crave. Shop the Big City Series and find designs that rep your favorite baseball podcast, cheer from the cheap seats, and much more. Shop the Big City Series only at 9plusus.com. I'm Jason. And I'm David, and we're the hosts of the Non North Sports Podcast, where the home of sports talk for everyone. Join us bi weekly as we talk about the happenings in sports. You can find the Non North Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Welcome back, baseball family. We have with us Jim and Mike of the Pioneer League, and Brig and I are just made of questions, to be honest, with everyone here, because we have we've expressed our connection to the Pioneer League. You know, Brig spent a whole season in uh, in one particular seat uh, with the Ormals, and I spent an entire season in the press box with the Ormals. So we have we have strong connections to the Pioneer League. We have these guys here, but the the first thing we want to ask about is this uh, this. Knock what is it? Knockout home run tiebreaker thing instead of extra innings. I mean, first, like, where, where did this? I where did this thing come from? Well, it's it's been something uh, percolating in the back of my twisted mind for some time. Um, only because, uh, and 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 by the way, it has very little to do with what it's become known for, which is incredibly entertaining and fan engaging and exciting exciting it it was actually born out of basic economic and health and safety principles um the basic economics of of it are that at the low minor league levels particularly um if you keep the gates open for extra innings uh and you're an operator you lose money uh you Mm -hmm. have to keep your staff going um Mm -hmm. you have uh, you lose baseballs that's five bucks a pop um and you've got no corresponding revenue because by the time you get to the ninth or 10th or 11th or 12th inning, uh, nobody's buying. Well, beer has been shut off. No, everybody's eating hot dogs. I mean, they're not, they're not, the few people that are still there aren't buying anything. So it's, it's a cost center, but, but even more importantly, perhaps is the, the health and safety of players at this level, when you have to rush, run through your bullpen uh, because you've got to play extra innings you're putting a lot of wear and tear on young kids' arms. And we don't have ready access to um, a pool of players 
like a major league club would um, with their minor league system. They can just call a player up. But at, at this level, we don't we don't have that ability. So we are running um, a tremendous risk of hurting players and um, of not being able to readily replace them. So um, in, in thinking this through, um, it became clear to me that even the international rule, which Major League Baseball is using with putting the runner on second base, still doesn't resolve the problem because you can still go 10, 11, 12 innings. I've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, it still costs you money. So we wanted to come up with something that would get over quickly, but might keep a few fans around because it was going to be interesting and kind of fun um, mm-hmm. and, and give the players even something to something to get excited about and, and not just go through the drudgery of all these extra innings. And, and so um, if you look at, you know, other sports, soccer, hockey, they have face-offs or shootouts or whatever. And we thought, well, what's the corresponding – um, action in, in baseball. And that would be, uh, and again, I don't use this as a um, anything other than a term of art, uh, uh, a home run type derby thing. Uh, yeah. That's, that, that's a, a copyrighted name, which we, we do not use. Um, uh, but um, we call it the knockout round. And um, I would say, and, and Jim, you can comment further, but it's been tremendously successful. Oh, yeah, tremendous. This is vintage Mike Shapiro. And, uh, PBL knockout is what we call it, and it has just uh, been tremendous. It is always better if the home team knocks it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> it you know it has all the quality of a walk off, um, and the players mm-hmm. sort of treat it like a walk off, and um, that's exciting and that's fun. Um, you know, I just did a tour of the league and, and and went to a game at every ballpark, and I think out of the eight games I saw, four of them were tied in the eighth or the ninth and people are talking about wow i hope it stays tied we're going to get a knockout we can't wait to see it wow that's and that was one of the thoughts i had was as you're talking about how like everybody gets excited for i wonder how often home teams are like we got a runner on second let's just leave him so we can do a knockout because that's a good time (laughs) because i talked to actually a kid uh, when I was in college, he he was a former pitcher, and we were like in like the thirteenth inning of this college game. He goes, "Man, if I'd have been on the mound, this game would have been over." He's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "I don't do extra innings." He's like, "If I'm up there, I'm if I'm pitching in extras, I will groove one and give up a home run." He's like, "I don't stick around for extra innings." Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've I've heard that before as well. I mean, extra innings are are reviled in 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 all levels of baseball. Um, we, we just had the nerve to go ahead and do something about it. <laughs> it's pretty bold. It is pretty bold. It's pretty radical. And I, that's why we love it, right? We need change mm-hmm. in baseball. And Mike, I know you said you're a purist. I would consider myself a purist as well, but what, what did you see any major backlash when you were presenting this idea before it was vetted, before people got to see the proof of concept? No, our, our uh, general managers and our managers and our owners were all supportive of, of it because they understood that, again, this was just not some quirky move, to, uh, you know, a change of the rules to create some buzz and to do something goofy. It, it had real economic and health and safety reasons, as I said. And I think um, that resonated with with ownership and and uh, with the general managers who have to manage to a budget. Um 
and and everybody knows. I mean, it's one of it's one of the worst kept secrets in certainly in minor league baseball how awful it is to have extra innings. And so we just said, well, why do we have extra innings? Let's just get it over with. I mean, listen, our business there's a truism, and and, and there's a it's a parable, and it's the parable of the family of four, and the family of four leaves a ballpark. And uh, uh, they say among themselves, wasn't that fun? We're going to come back and we're going to do it again. We had such a good time. And by the way, we should tell our friends that we all had such a good time. And the young child says, yeah, I had a great time. By the way, who won the game? We've done our job. We've given family of four a wonderful time. And the game doesn't matter. And so, you know, again, you can't take yourself so seriously that at this level of play, yes, you want to see these kids succeed. And yes, uh, for community pride and all that, eh, okay, get it a little bit. But by and large, it's all about entertaining families and friends and folks who are coming out for a, you know, a lovely summer night at the ballpark. It, it, it mm-hmm. has less to do with wins and losses than at the big league level. Yeah, Brad and yeah. I talk about that all the time. We one of my favorite things. I prefer minor league baseball over major league baseball for that reason. Um, and I I make that very clear. I've been to minor league ballparks all over the country. It's one of my favorite things to do. I invite them with me as often as possible. I had a group come with me uh, two Sundays ago to the Greenville Drive game, and they had never been to a baseball game before. And they said, "I had no idea it could be so much fun. I had no idea it would be so enjoyable." And this was, there were four kids. The youngest is 12. The oldest was, I think, 16 or 17. It was, it was a great experience, but you can talk, right? Yeah. And, or, and then you can watch and yeah, you don't I mean, lose the nuances of the game. I've spent my entire career um, in either major league ballparks or minor league ballparks. And I can tell you that they are vastly different experiences. Mm-hmm. And you go, yep. And I'm not, uh, I am not weighing one against the other or saying qualitatively one is better than the other. I, I love Major League Baseball. I love to watch the best athletes in the world perform the most beautiful game in the world. Yeah. All of that is great, and um, it has its, its purpose. But there's also a, a, an entirely different reason for going to minor league games, and that is we don't want to spend a fortune – um, mm-hmm. We just want to go out and have a nice night out with our friends or with our family. Let the kids, you know, have some fun hot dogs and ice cream, and let's let let's just all have a good time, you know. And it's not going to break the family bank, so you know, mm-hmm. it's a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah it's it, apples to oranges, is what it is. It is You're really exactly yeah. right. Yeah, because that's like I I go to a big league game to watch the game. Like I don't want right. to be bugged. I don't necessarily want to be talked to too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we experienced that last week. <laughs> <laughs> I took him to a an Arizona Diamondbacks game, and uh, flew out there. Took him to a game, and he was like, "Stop! I'm an extrovert, right?" I so the, I got the whole section saying, you know, cheering with me, and every and Brad's sitting there like, "Shh, stop!" It's, it was so funny. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm more like Brig when I go to a minor league game, though. I'm willing to yeah. sit and talk to people around me, but yeah, no, but I back to the knockout real quick, though. I do have a question for you because I mean, I guess you've kind of already answered it, but I just want to make sure I'm, I guess, on the right track here. Because my initial thought was, why not play two or three innings before you go in? 
you know, before you go into the knockout. But was was that ever considered? Was it considered, you know, go maybe to the twelfth inning, tenth inning, no. or just, no, just straight in, just economically <laughs> economically sound, go straight into it? It defeats the purpose uh, of playing any extra innings. I mean, again, if I, you know, I always said if if I were the president of a league, I would do away with extra innings altogether. And well, mm-hmm. I became the president of a league, and the first thing I did was get rid of extra innings. All- <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the one it's the one promise I made uh, in life that I actually kept. The reason I had that thought was just because, like in soccer, they'll play like extra time, and hockey they'll play an extra period, and things like that. And that was that was why I had the initial thought. But when you explained it the way you did, just get rid of it. It makes sense. It makes yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. It serves no purpose in minor league baseball. Nor yeah. does it. It doesn't keep the audience engaged either. And you're right. Like every every way you shake that down, you've made the right decision. I think. I and I hadn't thought about it that way either. That's fascinating. So, well, Mike, again, oh, go ahead. I'm go sorry. ahead. No, no, you I was go ahead. Say, I was going to say that, you know, again, uh, back to the experience that, I mean, Jim and I were together um, at a couple of these games and, 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 you know, you there, it builds up an anticipation that, oh my goodness, we may get a knockout. We're going to stay. And um, it, it changes the psychographics of the fans um, that, oh no, we're going to get extra innings. Ah, let's, you know, let's get out of here. Let's beat the traffic as yeah. opposed to, Shoot, we may we may get a knockout. We got to stay and see that. Big difference. And it's got a definitive end ending too. It's not you're not going to you know have to potentially sit there for a whole other game up to eighteen yeah. innings. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so my next question is for both of you. It what else would you change? Right? If you if you had your druthers and you do, what what other changes would you would you like to implement? Well, we did make other changes, um, and yeah. unfortunately, because of the uh, publicity that the knockout round got, um, the other key changes that we made uh, got a whole lot less attention. But um, we we created a designated pinch hitter and a designated pinch runner, and that was born out of again a feeling that um, with the designated hitter, um, a lot of strategy was taken out of the game, in my opinion. Same. I'm with you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, right. I, I think so, we can all agree on that, actually, well, yeah. as much as I um, like it. There are precious little things that you can do to put <laughs> strategy back into the game. So one idea that we came up with was, what if you were able to take that um, light-hitting shortstop who's coming up in the bottom of the eighth, um, pinch hit for him, but – but then put them back in defensively at least one time a game. You're giving the manager another tool and the same thing. Let's say your slow footed catcher gets a base hit in the, in the top of the eighth. You take them out for a pinch runner. You get to put them back in. I mean, I just thought that those were cool wrinkles that just haven't gotten the kind of attention that they deserve. Because if you ask the managers in our league, they'll tell you that, you know, that this really helps their increase the tools that they have to help manage a game. Well, and they're developing themselves as well. They're right. It's not just about the players at this level. It's also about the managers and all the coaching staff. Everybody's working their way up. Everybody's trying to hone their craft and improve their career. Yeah. Jim, you want to talk about the managers? Well, the, uh, the managers <laughs> um, generally are, are, are 
the ones we, we have today don't, I mean, they develop, they may do well here. And, and some have been, uh, not all have been with a major league club at some point in time in our organization, but our, our managers are generally older than the uh, development players. We have a, a three-year limit, experience limit, but we define a year a little bit differently. Uh, back in the old affiliated days, if you spent one week or a day on somebody's active roster, that was a year's experience that counted. But we uh, say for a position player, if you didn't play 45 games in a year, it doesn't count. If you're a starting pitcher, if you didn't start 10 games in a year, that year doesn't count. If you are a combo relief pitcher or a combo pitcher, you need to have appeared in 25 games for that year to count. And we don't count the Dominican summer, just like affiliated ball does not as well. And some others as well. So um, we are, uh, we did a couple of things. Uh, first of all, our league has been around a long time since 1939. Mm-hmm. And we were a full season league, a class C league. And to put things in somewhat of perspective is all of these, uh, can say Rocky Mountain, Inland West, uh, Cities had teams back around the turn of the century on. Uh, it was the, you know, the U.S. Army that brought the baseball in some form to the Native Americans, and they played in the 1880s and the like. You may know the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but in the 29 crash, many of the teams went with the crash and, and died at that point in time. And it took 10 years to get the Pioneer League going again in 1939 uh, with a pharmacist in Pocatello, Idaho, named Jack Hollowell. And he had others as well working. And we were a Class C league, full season, uh, starting in the spring and going through September. To put things in perspective, I think Denver didn't get its team back until maybe 1942 or so. And they were Class D, one level below hmm. the Pioneer League. And the Pioneer League, with all the leagues after World War II, you know, many, I say all of them, many were dying, teams were going, and Major League Baseball needed a Class A league, and the Pioneer League rose to the Class A level. Then in 1964, Major League Baseball uh, incorporated an experiment, and we became short season. Uh, in 63, uh, the Appy League had become a short season league as an experiment. And the next year, uh, Major League Baseball restructured as they did this last year. And uh, the Pioneer League suddenly is a short season league, and only three owners stepped up thinking they could make it. A fourth came in Caldwell, Idaho. And uh, we had a four-team league. It was up to eight by 1970-whatever. Uh, and so we've been around a long time. So we've got, you know, really stable ballparks, stable communities, stable ownership, and uh, and, and the like uh, in coming forward. But that's interesting. In the other restructure, we became a short season. Now we're back, as I started this, where we were. We're a full-season league, and, mo- and we're hiring our own players. Most of the teams in 1939 hired their own. Branch Rickey had a farm club. Cincinnati had a farm club. The Yankees would move in. One of our clubs was a farm club of the Spokane Hawks, and the Spokane Hawks were a farm club of the Seattle Rainiers. So things were different, you know, back in that particular day. But we're kind of back where we started. I call it the third era. Um, yeah. Jim is talking from experience because he was a ticket taker in 1939. Yeah. <laughs> my soul, my last life. Yeah, uh, been, that's where I would have been. Uh, yeah, there's something about this baseball that Mike Shapiro's in baseball. I'm in baseball. Uh, you know, Brig and you and Brad Nasty are in baseball. Uh, it's uh, it's you know, why do we spend our time in baseball? There's got to be something uh, spiritual about it or something like that. I 100% agree with that. 
In fact, yeah. We, yeah, that's one of the things that we we like to talk to people about is what is it? Right? What is it that keeps us going? I mean, I wasn't even an athlete in the baseball capacity past my freshman year of high school. So, uh, you know, I played other sports and did other things. And then, you know, my life took me in different directions, but I've always hung on to it. And why? I don't know. It's the yeah, it's magical. Gosh, I was, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, 37 years old when I got into the game. Mike got into it much sooner, and I would have loved to have been in his position. Uh, Bobby Brett, who owns the Spokane Club, the George Brett brother, looked at me one time and said, you know, are you crazy? You've got a law degree from the University of Texas, and you want to be in minor league baseball? He would have said the same thing to you, Mike, you know. Uh, <laughs> Except you were you you got into the major leagues right off the bat where the carpet is much better. For the same well, the, chance, if not, I remember, not at Candlestick Park, the carpet was really awful there. <laughs> my my, uh, my first uh, gig in uh, I went to you know when I got released out of I played indie ball out of college and uh, I, I made it eight games because I am uh, short and left-handed uh, and there's no place to play. Um, so when I got released, I went to law school because I didn't know what else to do with my life. And uh, my first job after passing the California bar was general counsel for the Giants. And just, you know, kismet, whatever. Wow. <laughs> and then and then from there I went to the I went on to the uh, I stayed with the Giants for like 12 years. And then I went on to the Braves and then um, the Nationals. And, and I'm still actually with the Orioles. I, I split my time between the Pioneer hmm. League and the Orioles. In what capacity? You, attendance capacity or, or my capacity? No, no, your capacity with Baltimore. <laughs> uh, we don't well, talk so about I, was, I was executive vice president up until the pandemic, and then uh, uh, I, I left my, uh, my little apartment in Baltimore to come back home here to Northern California to be with my family. And I kind of decided I didn't want to go back as much as I love Baltimore. And I, lo I love the fact that my office was in the warehouse and, all the folks in Baltimore, just terrific uh, from ownership. Everybody's wonderful there. But, um, you know, I, 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 I wasn't into going back to live alone in, in, a, in an apartment in Baltimore after having come back home with my family. And so um, made a deal so that I could continue doing the things that I was doing, but do it from here. So right now um, I still do the in-house legal work, but um, I'm also uh, developing the Orioles' new Dominican Academy, which is a, 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 a total labor of love and, and um, uh, you know, a piece of whatever uh, uh, legacy I'm going to leave behind will be um, that academy because I, I, I just am in love with uh, the Dominican Republic and, and what baseball means down there. Mm -hmm. That's another yes. long story about, the, about that stuff. But well, I was going to say that anyway. sounds like a whole other episode. That we can do. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious just about the Pioneer League itself. Um, what exactly does it mean to be an affiliate league? Because you know we've seen like all the all the leagues that have gone independent, and there's still yeah, they're independent leagues, and with all everything that's gone on. But what exactly specifically does affiliate league mean? For well, you? That's a perfect question for the professor. Um, <laughs> the affiliate league receives its players from Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball pays the players, pays the managers, coaches, trainer, and provides a lot of materials and so forth. And they split uh, costs and all. And that's uh, affiliated ball. And as you know, in the restructure this last year, uh, the commissioner also decided uh, in looking at McKinsey Economic Reports and others, they needed to restructure. 
uh, for various reasons and decided to basically to uh, close 42 plants and lay off 1,400 workers. And that's business, you know, uh, as such. And thus we are now, uh, as we say, hiring and paying our own players, right, Mike? And a uh, number of other expenses uh, we are covering that uh, otherwise would have been uh, provided by Major League Baseball. And it's great to have Mike come in here. And I think his kind of virtual relationship now with the Orioles allowed you to do this, as I would understand it. Uh, and we got Henry Hunter, who's just been tremendous. Uh, we have another uh, worker and two interns. Uh, so we're having to take on our own streaming. Uh, Major League Baseball, BAM, is conducting our website uh, or what would you, what would you hosting, say? Hosting. Or hosting. Uh, hosting yeah. But we're providing the content. Next year, we'll probably take on our own websites and those sorts of things, uh, properties, you know, the whole bit that we've relied on uh, that we uh, not only have to take under in terms of the burden, but also the expense of it. But we're also freed of a number of limitations that right. he would have been under as a member of what we used to be called the National Association. What well, was originally the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues, now called Minor League Baseball, which is on its short life uh, as such. As you know, the commissioner's office is now contracting uh, separately with each one of the teams. And you've got, uh, for instance, the old Northwest League, six of the old Northwest League teams are high A West uh, teams now. I always think it's a Y when I look at it, but it's high <laughs> West. And they're pretty much run out of the commissioner's office. So you don't have the Northwest League or the PCL, those leagues. But right. the Pioneer Baseball League is still around. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the other interesting wrinkles to all of this, and, and, and you know, Jim said it perfectly, um, but uh, baseball has created this new relationship with several of the top independent leagues, uh, which include the Atlantic League, the American Association, the Frontier League, and the Pioneer League as partner leagues. And, you know, the exact um, impact and implication of being a partner league, I think, is still being um, hashed out and, and worked through. Um, we're, we're doing it kind of by experience, and, and we're, uh, we're trying to fashion what the definition of all that means. But it, there's still an association and a connection between Major League Baseball and and the Pioneer League, and um, I, I think that um, as we move forward into the future, um, we'll, we'll know more about what that really is going to mean. Right. No, very very well said. Exactly right. Yeah, sorry. I think I meant that's what I meant was partner league instead of affiliated. League. So, affiliated league. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, I'm glad you, you cleared that up. Yeah, those are terms of art. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know who art is, but. <laughs> uh, when we are a partner league uh, with major league baseball we'll see where that goes the uh, and and what the industry uh, d demands and uh, what works for both parties if you will the multi parties out there so we'll see where it goes how it evolves right and there's you have a new set of stakeholders to listen to right like you you get to pay more attention to your fan base than you probably ever have been able well, to in the there, past there is that over the last years uh, minor league baseball and the affiliated since evolved over the years in the last number of years we've had so many second and third year players there were true prospects not just bodies to fill you know mm -hmm. 15 years ago that wouldn't have been the case these guys were just needed to be a body and if you were there in your second year as you probably remember from Orem, but right. as it as it evolved uh if one did very well in the first half most of the time they were moved up and the second half team bore little resemblance to the first half we had pitch counts and all of those kind of things it can be very well defended and there's a purpose for them but it it was different from the old 
uh, not only the yeah. old days, but affiliated ball as, as we knew it, uh, you know, a decade ago. And so this is really different. We've got uh, players that are our players. Uh, Mike, how many players did we decided we've sold to Major League Baseball at this point? Is it 10 it, a dozen? Yeah, somewhere between – I think it's 10 or 12, yeah. Um, we don't we don't sell as many players up to Major League Baseball as, say, the Atlantic League or the American Association because our players are, are so much younger and they're still in development stage, um, although some are even at that, that – level of experience still um, uh, vi viable and available to major league clubs. But um, we, we do sell some club, some play, uh, players up and um, um, I, you know, again, I, I think in the long run um, there, there's probably going to be um, some attention given to players going both ways um, and who knows. So, but you know, again, I think, this has been the first year we all knew this was going to be an experimental year for the relationship with major league baseball. And um, we're looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, how it evolves. My question to you guys is, did they give you a chance to ramp up into, into startup mode, which is kind of what I'm hearing, or did you, did they just cut it off and say, good luck. This is, here's the playbook we think you should use and go forth and do good things. Or was there sort of a, a phase one, phase two, phase three implementation plan or anything like that? Um, uh, well, I Jim, you were around uh, during that transition. Uh, there, I wasn't here. Then. There is a, a memo of understanding with Major League Baseball that has a number of different features, but uh, okay. no real plan. We uh, decided on 96 games that probably negotiable, uh, you know, uh, from a year to year basis. Uh, and there were a few things that are pretty well set, but it uh, uh, left a lot of room to roam because there, I guess, Mike, this is to be true to say, you've read the MOU. There was no model. Uh, no, for what doing. Yeah, no, there, it, it, it's scant <laughs> with respect to uh, what it, what in fact it means. And, yes. and I think that the, when you're talking about the ramp up, I think 2021 is the ramp up. Right. Um, I think it was the uh, this first year, and there are some provisions in the agreement that say for 2021 it's going to be this way. But you know, in good faith, we'll talk about 2022 and going forward. So, yeah, um, for all intents and purposes, this is this year is the ramp up. I think that's really neat, and it's so exciting to talk to to both of you who have the opportunity to make it whatever you want to make it. Right? You get to you get to craft this thing, and you get to build it. And people are coming, right? You build it, they're going to come, and that's what's happening. I love it. Yeah, no, I think um, I think looking forward, the key issues for us is um, the the extent to which we expand the league, um, uh, the other communities that the the league will will come into, and um, I think um, we're we're looking at um, a whole range. Um, Jim mentioned Henry Hunter, who's our vice president of business affairs, who's working through a whole digital. Uh, uh, marketing and and broadcasting um, wing to to the league that I think is going to be revolutionary. Um, I think um, we're looking at um, a, a really uh, substantive business in in terms of tryout camps and prospect leagues and showcases. And we have a a, a very vibrant social responsibility program working with the uh, the MVP program that's connected to the historically uh, black colleges and universities. 
Um, we're working with USA Baseball on coaching coaching clinics in our local communities, as well as school programs to talk about, um, how, you know, using baseball to help uh, teach kids with math, for example. So right. we are expanding the realm of what the Pioneer League uh, represents. Jim mentioned earlier that we're looking at having our own uh, um, uh, division for properties and controlling our own licensing. Um, you know, it's, it's just begun what, you know, we've been around, um, I, my tenure began in February and, and I think we've done some remarkable things, including rebranding the league. Um, we have, you know, new league logos, as you can see, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, yeah. there's no, no remaining Buffalo skull in our logo, which, um, I, I think a lot of, uh, pagan ritualists are upset about, but everyone happy. 30 years ago. Yeah. Character you may have seen, but uh, <laughs> there were no coonskin caps and well, maybe there were. <laughs> so you talked about expansion. We talked a little bit about this last night when we were, when we were talking, but I want to know, is there like a minimum cost to buy a team in the Pioneer League? Like if, if I wanted to go in and say, I want to put a team in Price, Utah, I don't know. Um, what would I be looking at just to get in the door to talk to you about that? You, you know, it, it. I'll give you the same answer I gave you last night. I'm not telling you. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the, the answer to that is I. there is no answer to that. Um, every market um, ha, has different characteristics. And uh, the cost of uh, putting a franchise in certain markets depends on the size of the market. It depends on um, uh, the nature of the facility um, that, that you um, are either building or retrofitting uh, for minor league uh, baseball purposes. There, there, there are a number of variables that, um, that are, you know, essentially um, a, a discussion point when somebody comes to us and says, Look, we we'd like to move a team to Price, Utah, or wherever, and and here's um, here's what our proposal is, and we would say, all right, let let us take a look at that market, let's take a look at the facility plan that you have, and and let's uh, let's uh, assess that value against maybe what uh, light clubs in in the league are uh, valued at. It's not an exact science. Sure. Hmm. No, it sounds like an art, and I—that's uh, the best part. So, yeah, Brad and I have pipe dreams of owning a team one day, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's a pipe dream, honestly. But we we would love to support a community through baseball. Is that's our all our whole thing, uh, mm -hmm. and owning a team seems like the perfect way to do it. And we're not alone. We have a lot of people in our following, our audience members, and our we call them our baseball family that want to support local baseball. Um, and so that's why we ask questions like that. We want to know and give them opportunities to understand what it actually takes. So you're saying we need, we need to do market analysis. We need to have the city on board for maybe a bonding opportunity, um, you know, for, for building permits and zoning and all that, that kind of thing. But also we got to look at demographics uh, and analytics with, with, um, you know, earning potential, spending potential, all that, everything, right? It's a business yeah. proposal. Well, as part of the, the process, you'd be asked to produce a business plan. And those are the kinds yeah. of issues 
But I mean, I, there's one really critical point to, to all this. And Jim and I both have, in our checkered past, have been operators. And um, um, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know, Jim, if you came out of the experience of being an operator uh, of an independent league club or an affiliated league club, um, the same as I did. Because my experience was that the seven years I spent in um, owning a club in independent ball versus all of the other years that I spent in Major League Baseball as a suit um, were the best seven years of my baseball life, other than when I was playing. Those were the best years ever. Um, and and I would love to be able to have played to, you know, forever. But but when I, the, the seven years I spent owning and operating a club, I, I learned more about the game of baseball than I did for, for the, you know, the sum total of all the other years. I learned more about what baseball means to a community, what it can mean to real people, not, you know, not just big, big, you know, stadiums full uh, with million, multi-million dollar players and TV contracts and all that, but just operating um, a, a team as a small business, because that's exactly what it is. It's operating a business in a local community and, and, and taking your players to, the pediatric ward at the local hospital or, um, uh, you know, doing fundraising events for local nonprofits or going to school reading programs, all, all, all of that, which you do as a minor league operator are the most rewarding times you'll ever have in your life. Jim, I mean, that was my experience. But with, without a doubt, uh, the uh, I've been involved as president of the Painter League for what was it 27 years, Mike, or something? I'm doing it in the commissioner now. Great to bring Mike in because we got all these other things to do as an independent, bringing in Henry Hunter, and we could probably use a couple of more. Uh, isn't that right, Mike? Uh, to do yeah. the things that we can see as the opportunity would bring in for what makes a startup type business. But there's yeah. nothing better than running the number one thing is running a ball team. Uh, the rest of this uh, is the second best, uh, but running a ball team is the best thing in the world. It's not for the faint of wallet, however, or whatever. Um, and, and the stories you could tell just off the ballpark. Oh, yeah. it's a very, uh, and, and the wonderful promotional stuff that you can do. I mean, I, I, I'm oftentimes asked, what was your favorite, you know, goofy promotion that you did? And I did them all. And um, obviously I think the best one that I ever did was in partnership with Eric Burns, who, who's an old friend who played for the A's. Uh, both of us, um, consistently uh, bemoan uh, uh, strike zones that umpires each individual umpire has. So we we created the autom first automated balls and balls and strikes, um, and did that several times um, um, a, a for a breast cancer awareness uh, fundraiser. I uh, I put my players in league of their own dresses, and they played, and we, <laughs> we auctioned them off. Tom Hanks uh, signed one, and we auctioned it off, and made money for breast cancer awareness, uh, all, all, all the crazy. I, I once gave away a free fu funeral. Um, so, you know, those are the, God, that, that was so much fun. Good. Good. And you guys are aware of Dave Baggett up in Ogden and the crazy promotions that he ran. Uh, and he would always claim that he was bringing the infidels down to uh, <laughs> Forum yeah. Provo in, in Utah County, right? Mm, that's Although, right. Uh, his co-author is probably an elder of the LDS, you know. I mean, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yet I give him a lot of credit. He did a polygamy night uh, one night uh, where I think if you 
you brought in uh, one wife uh, got in uh, for half price and the other wife got in for free. But <laughs> <laughs> I, see. I love it. <laughs> awesome. So funny. I thought, I thought you had a beeper or something. What do you call it that you can punch? Oh, oh, oh bleep me out! I didn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing needs to be bleeped there. That's fine. No, that's, no. that's good. Made, actually, did have that night. He had a yeah. uh, 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 an uh, IOC bribery night that you bribed your way in the ballpark off the Olympics. Uh, <laughs> scandal. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's what that's so so much fun and. Yeah, I mean, it's a business and you've got to figure out how to make it work um, and it's got to sustain itself. You know, when when I got uh, offered the um, uh, the opportunity to go back into Major League Baseball with the Orioles and um, I went to my wife and said, well, you know, how do you feel about us um, selling the, the team here and uh, me going back and, you know, getting a real job? And uh, uh and I expected her reaction was going to be great. Go to Baltimore. I'm staying here, which, but it wasn't uh, her, her reaction was, and I think it's a um, truism of, of, of very sound economic principles, uh, according to my wife, which was, it is better to get a check than to write a check. So there you go. That's minor league baseball. You got to write some checks guys, but yeah. Yeah. never have more fun in your life. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, real quick, you brought up the automated strike zone you guys did. Would you ever consider oh implementing that? Because I think that's one of the greatest things. In a heartbeat. The pro it, it's it's a technology question. I'm hoping yeah. we're going to have the technology available. It's very expensive technology. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I'm hoping we're going to have it available to the league next year. Um, I think the the outside of extra innings, the greatest uh, bane of baseball is the uh, to, that the umpires have the discretion to define their own strike zones. I, I hate that. I think um, it, it, it influences the game in a very profound mm -hmm. way. Um, and if you can normalize it, if you can create a strike zone um, that's, uh, you know, not uh, up to someone's whim, um, it, it will do the game uh, a, a lot of credit. Uh, again, think about the difference if, uh, uh, you know, how many bad calls umpires make, but think about the difference between, a ball being called a, a pitch being called a ball um, in a one-one count versus that same pitch being called a strike in the one-one count. The average difference between a two-one count and a one-two count is is huge, and and it influences games every night. Every every game you see is everywhere by the by the umpire's discretion, and it shouldn't be that way. And mm -hmm. I think that I think players honestly would have a better. Me, like a better like mental approach to the game because it's like okay that it's a strike it's a strike you know instead of like that was no borderline I don't think it was you know and then upset with the umpire you're upset for the rest of your at bat then you've got to let him know on your way back the manager's got to come out and argue because he just got tossed you know and it's it's a whole time saving thing it I think it would make everybody better pitchers would be have to be better I think that it's it needs to Absolutely. be implemented across the board I would honestly. do it in a heartbeat awesome. Love it. Love to hear yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I do have one more question, Brig. I don't know about you, but yeah, this no, is like, go ahead. I've been actually holding on to this one for a few minutes. I'm curious. You mentioned that your players are typically younger than other in other indie leagues. Um, is there like a, like a specific like age group that you guys kind of try to appeal to or that you 
that you do hire onto your teams to play just so that they can progress more towards the big leagues? Or is like, are you looking for like high school kids who don't want to go to college guys fresh out of college or anything? Or is there, is it just kind of like come show up if you're good enough, we'll let you play. Jim, you want to answer that one? Uh, yes, the uh, we uh, we do not have an age limit. In fact, it is uh, a violation of state law in two of our jurisdictions, at least, to uh, discriminate in any uh, under any circumstances in hiring. But we do have an experience limit of three years, as I, tr- I was mentioning before, and I probably got a bit off on it. Is we define three years in a, in a certain manner, like I said, the mm. ten games for the starter, twenty five for combo, forty five in a year, and we add it up. And if you uh, have uh, three years or less experience, you can play in our league. So we tend to be younger, although I have noted that there are players in the Gulf Coast League, for instance, that uh, maybe played 18 games, uh, which is strange to me because the players we got in the uh, Pioneer League over the years as young players, you know, the young Latins that uh, the Toronto Blue Jays brought into Madison had and so forth, you know, would play a full season. Uh, So I don't understand the playing 18 games. Maybe they worked out. And I understand there's a role for the complex league. But I was unaware of that and how many players might have three years in the lower minors and and not played 45 games a year or 25 games as a pitcher. Mm -hmm. And so they may Mm -hmm. have more years actual experience, but not more game experience. And that's what we're looking for. What is your actual game experience? So three years is our cutoff as we define it. Would you pull from the adult wood bat leagues like the Spokane Hawks that you mentioned earlier? They're still around at the adult wood bat league. Yeah, the the Skyhawks and I, Skyhawks. I, yeah, I, I don't know that they are. I knew, uh, you know, McCoy that started them and so forth for the good friend. But uh, yeah, we uh, we we not only scout. But each day I have a number of players who are uh, letting me know they're available to play in our league, and I pass those on to the managers and general managers. Uh, and so we're signing players of one sort or another. And of course, after the draft, the MLB draft, there are a number of players who weren't drafted. And we yeah. just had the tryout camp. Mike, you want to talk about the tryout camp that we just finished in Ogden? Yeah, um, we so we conducted a, a tryout camp um, right after the major league uh, draft took place, uh, which again is now 20 rounds. And so think about across the span of history, how many great players were drafted below the 20th round. And Wayne Piazza is the first guy that comes to Mike mind. Piazza, exactly. Yeah. Everybody will name Mike Piazza as the number one. Um, and um, so we believe that um, that's an incredible pool of talent um, that got untapped. Um, and, uh, so we, we created a, a, a camp right after the draft and, uh, it, it was a tremendous success. We, we, we had out of the hundred players or so that were at the camp, 16 were signed to, to wow. professional contracts. Wow. So it wow. was, it was an extraordinary success. And as I was saying earlier, we're looking at, um, tryout camps, um, during the off season, uh, winter leagues, uh, a whole range of, um, of opportunities for young players to get uh, noticed. Uh, I would say, you know, some of the wood bat leagues that, you know, that are uh, some of the collegiate wood bat leagues certainly have a lot of, of talent that, that should be scouted. Um, and the, there's the draft leagues and there, there there's going to be a lot of talent out there. Um, I would only hope that we saw that we would see out of all that talent that's out there, a lot more pitchers because yeah. Pitching is a, a this year more than ever. I, I've never mm-hmm. seen um, 
uh, you know, a, a, a lack of good pitching uh, across the board. Uh, it, the um, the minor leagues uh, from the bottom to the top are are suffering from uh, a lack of pitching. That's right. Not only the independent, but affiliated ball, if you look at the averages. But then we also had the COVID layoff year where mm-hmm. a number of people didn't gain the experience over the year or sat or did whatever that may have some impact on that. We're hoping in the second half, which we've just started you know, a week ago, that uh, our pitching numbers will come up and the to, to balance. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and we have a lot. We have a, a ton more questions <laughs> that we just unfortunately don't have time for. We want to respect everybody's time, but um, we'd love to have you both back on the show if you're willing. This was, I thought, terribly enjoyable. I mean, I don't know how you put those two words together, but I just did. <laughs> well, I was terrible, and Jim was enjoyable. So. <laughs> Uh, you two guys are a kick. You know, I wish I'd known you were in our environs down in the Utah County area and we would have run some more promotions. Yeah. Well, we, when we were in Orem, we, my crew and I were army, I'm retired army. And when I was in the service, I was, did some time with the Utah national guard and my friends and I would come to the ballpark and sit in section eight. And in the military section eight means you're cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Right. So, (laughs) So we would sit in section eight and we would just, we raise hell, right? There's a beat, Brad. We raise cane all over the place and uh, we became known as the section eight crew. And it was a, it was a riot. And that's the kind of environment you can foster in these lower leagues. And it's so much fun. So we, yeah, we just, we have fun. We've tried to carry that energy forward and thanks for participating with us in that tonight. Yeah, no, real pleasure. It was Thank a pleasure. You. Great. Thank Appreciate you both very much. And, um, we'll get back on and, and do more of this. Anytime. Thank you. Baseball family, we hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. We are made, Brad says, we're made of questions for these people. And I know you are too. So <laughs> don't forget to jump in the mailbag. They have both agreed to come back on the show. They have other people they want to send onto the show and, and, and encouraged to join us as well for more discussion. So jump in the mailbag at baseballtogether.com. Send us questions. If we can get it into our next conversation, we will. If we can't, we can always shoot them an email and then maybe f- forward you the information on Instagram or with Twitter. Share it on the pod. Twitter's Twitter stuff with birds that do things on the online. Brad knows about it. I'm <laughs> ignorant and it's okay. Somebody followed me on Twitter. Okay, cool story, really quick. Somebody followed me on Twitter yesterday, and he's a local guy. And I was like, yeah. well, who, what is going on? So then I go to a, a for my real job, my day job or whatever, I go to uh-huh. a networking event, and his wife is there and starts talking to me because she read my bio before I was the panelist in this discussion. And she said, my husband, big Cardinals fan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's the one that I'm like, is that who that was? She was like, that was my husband. She's like, so send me the link to the shop. Which, by the way, is nineplusus.com. It's n i n e p l u s u s dot com. Nineplusus.com. Go ahead and get yourself something nice. We are sporting. I got my KBO shirt on tonight, uh, but we have been rocking the Pioneer League Orem Owl stuff. Brad's wearing his um, Autism Awareness Baseball Together T-shirt, and we have more coming out. We have some exciting uh, rebranding stuff we want to share with you in the future. So we'll get that out when we get it out. Sorry, it's a little slow. We know we kind of suck at that, but um, 
Life is hard, Brad. <laughs> and it, it's a long process too, Brad. Let's be honest. It's yeah, gonna, you're right. It's gonna take some time. So yeah, it, we'll, we'll get it when we get it. It's fine, and they it's will fine. love it. It will be fine. yes, yes. But in the meantime, don't forget to stop by baseballtigler.com. There is always a link to the shop on baseballtigler.com, just like there's always money in the banana stand. But you can also watch the podcast and listen to the podcast on base at baseballtigler.com and uh, submit to the mailbag, like Briggs said. And even if you don't have a question for them, if you have a question for us or a comment, something you do or don't like about the podcast, we're always looking for feedback. We want to hear from the people who listen to the show. But Baseball Family, that was a tremendous interview. I truly enjoyed myself, and I know Brig did as well. And we will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.